I have been very excited to put this together to share with you because autistic burnout is one of the things that we all have questions about. Everybody is, there's a lot of discussion about it, but there's never a whole lot of information out there. I know that's something that, that I came across in my early journey, just trying to figure out what was what. What is everything? You know, what does it mean? What is it? Why am I doing this? Um, hang on, let me make sure I've got the the, the music turned off for now. <laughs> there we go. A little thing popped up on my screen. Um, so I wanted to just go ahead and invite everybody, if you would, take a second to sort of share where you're joining us from. Uh, let us know what state you're in or what country you're joining from, because Mind Your Autistic Brain is a community of over 47 countries. We have thousands of members all over the globe, and it's always exciting to see and hear where everybody's joining us from. Um, I got, oh my goodness, y'all, I've got... 9, 10, 11, 12, 12 questions that are just, that came in uh, for this webinar, for this Zoom call for us to video and, and check with everybody. Uh, totally cool. You can just go camera free and make sure your mics are all muted so that way we don't have any uh, background noise because I know everybody is a little bit different in sensory things. So I've got something super cool. This is, I, I use it as a stem toy, stem toy, but it's actually like a cup cover but it's silicone so it's got like this cool little butterfly and it just it's smooth on one side and has kind of bumps on the other so if you guys have you know any little stem toys or anything that you have and I also have my handy bracelet that my friend Nancy sent me for my birthday and it's like the perfect thing because I can fiddle with it and so feel free guys you know grab whatever works for you whatever you have um on your toolbar below if you didn't get a chance when you join the meeting um it has a section for transcript for a uh, live transcription. So you can enable that so that you can, I know for me, I have to sometimes uh, see the text. I can't always just hear and auditorily process what somebody says. So um, I wanted to make sure that was available that you guys can find that. Oh, awesome. Hey, we got a lot of Texas people, Arkansas, Ireland, Yorkshire, England, Ithaca, New York. Awesome. Oh, hey, it's Mark. Hey, Mark, Nancy. Oh, man, we got a great group. I'm so excited you guys are here. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I'm going to launch a poll. This is new. I haven't used it before. I'm going to launch a poll and just ask some basic questions just about autistic burnout, sort of if you're in burnout now, uh, some things that you may or may not have experienced. So just take a few minutes and, you know, pop your answers in and we'll um, I'll share these uh, sort of at, towards the end, and that way we can sort of get an idea of about, you know, sort of where we are in the process. Because I know for me, autistic burnout is, for decades leading up to this, it was a constant cycle for me. I don't know that I was ever out of burnout, to be honest with you. I don't know, maybe you guys have felt the same way before. Um, so I'm going to jump in and start on the questions that you guys asked. Um, every, oh, Olympia, Washington. Awesome. Indiana. Fantastic. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay, so here we go, guys. We're going to get rolling. I try and stay on track. And um, I've scheduled it for an hour, but we may not make the whole hour. It just depends. We're just going with the flow. And I am recording today, so there will be a replay available. So if you want to go back and 
um, re-listen to anything or share it with a friend, somebody that maybe couldn't make it here today, uh, you're welcome to do that. And I have a couple of uh, little surprises and some gifts for you guys today. Um, and I have some, some little giveaways and free downloads. Okay, so here we go. So Jason asked, I've been going through something that feels like a mix of stress, boredom, loss of will, and depression. Maybe burnout is it? So what is autistic burnout, he asked. Oh, this is such a great question. This, this is sometimes the definitions that are out there sort of from a research standpoint are pretty eh, kind of vague and they don't really apply to us in a lot of ways. I sort of compounded a few of them and, and sort of created my own definition, but autistic burnout for autistic people, because it is different from neurotypical burnout, okay? Neurotypical burnout, and I have a video on this if you guys want to go check it out on the difference between autistic and neurotypical burnout. So for us, autistic burnout is when we have reached an overwhelm, we have expended our, our energy and all of our resources to the point that we have totally gotten to a place where we start to lose our skills and abilities. We start to get exceptionally tired, overwhelm, overwhelmingly tired. Um, for some of us, it can be, gosh, I cannot seem to keep my eyes open. I can't seem to focus. Some of those skills and abilities, like one of the things that I've noticed about myself is that when I start to get into burnout, I my attention span and my concentration and focus is much shorter. Like it is super short. My uh, patience and, and my ability to uh, respond kindly is a little smaller. That window is narrow. Um, also, one of the big things that I notice is like when I start to really, one of my signposts, and we'll talk about signposts, one of my signposts for knowing that I'm entering that, that's, you know, that gray area of going over the cliff into autistic burnout is that it becomes really difficult for me to read. Like I could read something short, something really small, but if I have to read something more than a paragraph, if I, I can't read books, it just, I lose the ability to do that. Um, early on in my autistic burnout, I discovered that I also lost the ability to just write. I and mean, I used to write stories and all kinds of things. So one of the things about autistic burnout is that you can lose skills and abilities both temporarily and some of those can be lost permanently, which was incredibly scary when I found that out. Uh, the research is pretty new into this. Uh, what many of us are discovering is that once we have gone into a restoration cycle and we found where to put that balance back into our life, when we have sustained that for a longer period of time, some of those things that we thought we'd lost that just hadn't come back, start to come back in and resurface. And it's pretty exciting. Like that to me was a really huge aha. Wow, this is fantastic. I didn't know this was going to be possible. So if you guys might be feeling like that, like you know or recognize that you've lost some skills or abilities in burnout over the decades, once you start to find your balance and you've had some sustained balance in your life, you may just start to see those things come back in for you as well. So that is a huge bonus. That was a huge relief, I guess is a better word. It was a huge relief for me. Um, okay. So Saucer asked, how can I help someone who is going through burnout? Sometimes it's, it's hard because I don't know about you guys, but when I'm in burnout, it is all I can do just to sort of 
take care of myself. I really don't have the ability to ask for help or to tell someone what's going on and, and that I need help or resources. Um, so what does help is the people that are in my life that know me uh, or know me really well can sometimes see when I'm struggling and, and they can help. Um, honestly, I'm going to say that the best thing to help someone else who's going through burnout is to to give them some space and some support. So if you know that that you recognize that maybe your friend or your family member is just you know, really withdrawing is just seems really tired, can't seem, you know, executive dysfunction kicks in and this guys, it really does. Um, really struggling just to do those small everyday things that you know normally they don't struggle with. Maybe offer to to help do with some of those um, executive function type things that we tend to struggle with. Um, one of the things as an autistic and the five steps that I put together in the workbook for burnout to balance and the unveiling method, I'm going to share the link with you uh, so that you can go in and get that free workbook and you can sign up. It's a free email mini course that goes with it. And for five days, you'll get an email that goes through that first each step. And the workbook is really fantastic. This is, there's no pressure. There's no time. You do this at your leisure and as it helps you. So I'll be sure to drop that in the chat box in just a second. Um, the best thing is as the autistic person, when you're not in burnout or as you're going through burnout, the best that you can make a note on the things that are really the hardest challenges for you in that moment or things that you can reflect back on that were probably the hardest for you in that moment and how you could ask for help in those areas. Now, that's sort of a trickier part, too, because when you're late identified autistic, you've gone for decades. And some of the hardest things for me, and I know for many of you, is that we don't want to ask for help because that means that we can't do it. It means that we're having a hard time and it's and somewhere in the subconscious and the things that we have believed and agreed to throughout our life, some of those messages that came back were that we have to be able to do everything. We have to be able to not ask for help because if we ask for help, that means that we're not worthy, that we're not good enough. And that's a really hard one. That was one I, I faced myself. So if you feel that way, you know, if you're noticing that maybe that might be a subconscious belief that, that you're still holding and that's why it's so hard to ask for help, it's okay. It's okay to feel that way. And, and you will move further into knowing that that's not the case. So Haley asks, what's the recovery journey like? Where to start? What's the first step and tips and strategies? So I thought this was a really great question because what does the recovery journey look like? Well, first of all, it's like, what is autistic burnout? What does it look like? How does it feel? It feels overwhelming. It is exhausting. That That's truly, you feel, you know, every, my sensory sensitivities just skyrocket through the roof for me. Um, my patience and understanding for other people really diminishes because I just don't have the spoons, right? I don't have the energy and the, the capacity to do that. Uh, you know, sometimes just showering every day is, is a huge challenge. Uh, other days it can just, you know, and it's going to fluctuate. It, every day is a little bit different because the stressors and the requirements of your day get a little 
different in each in each scenario, right? But essentially, the recovery journey is going to look a little different for each person, and it can vary. And really, one of the things that it really shocked me, and I thought I love this question because it made me think about this, and I hadn't really thought about it in this way to share. I didn't know what it felt like to feel good, to feel really good, to have energy, to have just sort of this inner contentment and peace, to not feel constant anxiety and constant stress. Like this was continuous nervousness. Do you guys know what I mean? Do you know what I'm talking about? Please let me know I'm not hanging by myself here. Somebody drop in the chat that they get that. Um, It's one of those things where the more you think about it, the more you reflect on, you know, when have I felt good in my life? When have I felt really joyous, really content, no matter what was happening in my life? And I couldn't do that, to be honest. And until I started to dive into things that were going to rebalance and reharmonize my energy and the what I was doing in my life and who I was being in my life, I really had no idea how good I could feel and what that was going to feel like and look like in my life because I had nothing really to compare it to because up until I found out I was autistic and I started to learn and work through all of this over the last eight years, I really had no clue. (laughs) I really didn't. So how that journey looks like is a little different for each person. The whole premise and and the whole really, and I don't know that I could even say that recovery is a word I would use for this. I really wouldn't because I don't think that for me, even after eight years, after everything that I've learned, that I'm really recovering from burnout. I think that I am simply recalibrating every day. And my awareness has changed dramatically. Just knowing what things show up in my life and how I feel. And we're going to talk about some signposts and how you can identify those and and start to create them for you in your life. So you'll know, hey, I'm kind of getting into that burnout territory and, and putting some things in place for you to be able to counterbalance that so that you're creating harmony in all of that. Um, So where do you start? You start right here. You guys are in the best place in the whole world because the only place you can start is when you become aware of something. And right now, that's where you're starting. You're you're becoming aware of what autistic burnout is. What does it mean to you in your life? And that five-step workbook and that little mini course that I've put together for you will take you through this and will help you unveil and uncover what burnout is for you. Because burnout is very different for each autistic person. We have similarities, but every person is a little bit different. And this will help you uncover exactly what it looks like and feels like for you. And I love it. I created this for myself and I've shared it with thousands of other autistics because it will help and tailor make it just for you. And it's totally free. So I'll be sure I drop that in the chat box before we go today. Um, So what is the first step? The first step is just starting to identify what, what you're feeling like right now, what what you feel like you can accomplish or do in a day, what 
what your day looks like. Like, how are you feeling? How are you thinking when you wake up in the morning? When I'm in burnout, waking up, number one, is so hard. Just waking up is hard. It's like I've been drugged. I mean, have you guys ever felt like that? Like, do you get to that point where you're, you are so tired, you are so exhausted, it's like beyond, beyond, and you feel like you have just been drugged and you can't seem to fully wake up? Let me know in the chat box, please. Because <laughs> I'm like, am I the only person that feels like I've been totally drugged? Oh, yes, exactly. Okay, cool. So I, I, I'm at least I'm getting some head nodding. Yes, awesome, awesome, awesome. Because it does... And that part's really scary. It was for me um, because I was like, how can I be so tired? I mean, it was so bad that I had doctors telling me I had chronic fatigue syndrome. I didn't have chronic fatigue syndrome. I had autistic burnout, people. Are you with me? (laughs) Are you with me? Please tell me you're with me on this one because how many times have you gone to the doctor and you're like, I'm so depressed. I'm so exhausted. I just can't seem to concentrate. I've got brain fog. It's just horrible. I can't seem to like get motivated to do anything. Or I've got these little bitty short windows that I can get something done. And it's like, if I, there were days guys when I would take a shower and that's all I could do. Like it took everything I had. And then after I took the shower, it was like I wrapped the towel and I laid down because that was it. Like I was totally done. There, there was nothing else I could do that day. And it's just, there's so much emotional and mental crud that goes with feeling like that. Because then you start to think, well, what's wrong with me? Why can't I seem to get going? You know, what is broken inside of me that I can't get it together? Because you feel like you should be able to get it together, but you you can't get it together because you don't know what's happening. You don't know sometimes that that's autistic burnout. So I hope that that's giving you guys a little bit of, <sighs> thank God, you know, it's okay. There There is a way out of this. That is not how I have to live and feel all the time because it's not, it's so not. So here's some other questions. So my friend Siobhan, should we? Um, She said, I've got a huge to-do list. I've got lots of events, birthday parties, just driving and all kinds of things coming up. And I just feel really drained. Like just thinking about it is just sucking the life out of me. This happens so often. And that really is probably what I identified for myself is one of the biggest contributing factors to getting myself into autistic burnout. And it's It's not that I've got this list of things to do. It's not that I've got these events because sometimes even it's even the really fun things, the things that we love, the things that we enjoy spending time with friends, going, you know, going to celebrate somebody's birthday. Hopefully it's not like loud and overwhelming, (laughs) but even doing the fun things really require a lot of our resources. And what I found for myself and in this process was I had to start paying attention to what my energy deficit was after an event, even if it was something really fun, because in that moment, it it feels good. You're having a great time and you don't really realize, I mean, most of us do, we get home and we're like, whoo, okay, I need like two or three days to recover from that, (laughs) to recover from that, you know, fun thing that I just did, even though it was fun. It's like, I'm totally sapped. I'm totally drained. 
when you start to recognize what that is, it helps because then you can buffer in a little bit of breathing room. And to me, that buffer for breathing room, that that time that we allow ourselves and that we, we schedule and give ourselves is the game changer in so many ways to finding that harmony and that balance to keep from going into burnout. So if I do something fun, like the Zoom that I'm doing today, right now, I know that I can do maybe one other thing today. And after that, that's it. I got to get off my computer. I got to get off my phone. I got to maybe go for a walk. That's something that helps re-energize me. There's all different kinds of rest. There's seven forms of rest and there's lots of other things. And I'm really excited to be sharing this because some of the things and some of the tools and insights into burnout and finding that balance and restoration and that balance and that harmony in being able to identify what's happening is going through the five steps in the workbook, but also being able to identify what those seven tools are, how they apply to your life and how sleep is only one form of rest. So I'm really excited. I've got a course coming out on a new platform that I've put together with several of my friends. I'm not the lead. I was just invited and I'm super excited to be part of it. And it's called autastic.com and it's the autastic Academy. And we do have a wait list and it will be opening up. It's just for late identified adult autistics. And it's myself and several other uh, course creators who are all autistic. And we've created different courses. And the one that I'm doing is rest is more than sleep. So it'll be going into all of those tools and things to help get that rest and that restoration and reclaim that energy. So I'll, I'll share that with you guys, because I would love to invite you to, to get on the wait list and it'll be launching uh, August the 1st. Um, Okay, so here's the next question. Bart had a really good one. He said, and I love Bart. Bart is such a sweet friend. These last few weeks, I've felt more distant from my coworkers and have no will to be social and be around other people. Ooh, man, I don't know about you. I could so, so relate to that. And when I read that, I'm like, yep, Bart, I'm right there with you. I think we've all experienced that. And that is, and he said, is this one of the early signs of autistic burnout? Haha, yes, my friend, you nailed it. It is. So let me read that again so that you guys kind of get a a feel for it. Because I know you do. These last few weeks, I felt more distant from my coworkers. Yes, we, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just like, I feel totally, it's like an out of body kind of thing. I feel totally disconnected from my body. I feel totally disconnected from other people. Do you guys experience this? Let me know in the chat box. It's, you feel, have you, you feel that disconnect sometimes when you're really hitting burnout? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yes. Getting some head nodding. Awesome. Yep. Yes. Yes. Tracy made the comment. It helps to know the why and giving myself a break about all of it. And that's the biggest thing. We, we got to cut ourselves a little, a little slack, right? We got to give ourselves some grace and space. We give it to everybody else. We sure do a really horrible job sometimes of giving it to ourselves. Um, So yeah, being disconnected, having no will to be social. Yes, (laughs) I am a social person. I like to talk to other people, but I don't know about you. I like to do it on my terms. Like I don't want, sometimes I'm good walking into a big giant room, like with hundreds of people. I'm totally cool with that. Other times I'm like, nope, uh uh-uh, not happening. Nope. Turn around, walk out, forget it, not happening. Um, But when you do get really seriously depleted and you are kind of moving into that burnout territory, 
socializing is like, because it does require a lot of energy for us because, you know, it's the sensory, it's the processing, it's all of the input that we're having to do, thinking about the facial and body expressions, what somebody's saying, and maybe trying to figure out reading between the lines, what they mean. It takes a lot for us sometimes to interact in those social situations, especially when it's people who aren't uh, also neurodistinct like us, because we do it really well together. It's whole lot less stressful. Uh, I've noticed that. I know so many of you guys have noticed that too. Um, And being around other people is just really hard. It just requires so much energy. And that really is and can be a signpost that you start to notice. So if you start to notice that you're feeling really distant, like you don't feel like you want to be with other people, you feel like maybe you're just, you know, kind of out of body feeling, that could be a signpost for you that you're, you're entering autistic burnout or that you're in burnout if, if it's been going on for a while. Um, here's the thing about social. Social can also be a form of rest. And it doesn't mean that you have to engage in big group conversations. It doesn't mean that. Sometimes we're actually energized and energy is poured in when we visit with just maybe one really good friend. Like I was having a super tough day. I was, I was feeling super depleted for a few days and I had a great Zoom conversation with my friend Mark. And when I got off that call, I felt so much more energized. I had more energy. I had more clarity and focus. And I thought, oh my gosh, I didn't, I wasn't paying attention. I didn't realize I needed some social rest. I needed some restoration and some energy pouring back in from engaging in a really deep and meaningful way with a good friend. So maybe you guys could think about that too, start to notice when you're in a social situation, even if it's just like a one-on-one, notice the person, notice how you feel before, notice how you feel after. Starting to process and take this information in and just kind of making yourself some little notes, get a little journal. That is just one of the best ways I have found to really start identifying this signpost for myself. So I hope that part's been helpful. All right, so my friend Mark asks, is there any way of getting motivated while in burnout? That's like one of the biggest questions. So many people ask me all the time. They're like, I am mired down in the muck. I feel like, I feel like a shell. I feel like a ghost. Like I am just barely inhabiting my body. I have no motivation to like do anything. Well, I'm just going to tell you what I've learned, and that's all I can do. I can only share the knowledge that I've acquired from my own personal experience. And I can tell you that there's nothing you can do to make yourself motivated, like specifically long-term. Okay, so putting on some fun, upbeat music, that usually helps. What, What I'll tell you, I learned is that there's a counterbalance. Usually when I'm not feeling motivated, I'm exhausted. But the other thing is that I get caught in thought loops. I get caught in overthinking. Sometimes I'll just get like stuck and I'm just thinking and thinking and thinking about something. And thought loops serve a purpose for us because it allows us to kind of go back over things and 
sort of pick through a conversation or maybe go through something that we did or that happened. And we think about it several times because then sort of it processes and it, it's like a coffee filter. And I, that's how I describe it. And everything just sort of percolates and filters down a little bit at a time because we take in our brains, neuro, neurodistinct brains, take in so much information. And think about it like a funnel. It's got this big opening at the top and just everything's dumping in, but we can only process just so much. In all the different areas of our brain, because our brain is, is lighting up and functioning differently in so many different respects, we use more areas of our brain to process information. And they've, they've shown this on fMRIs, which is really cool, um, than a typical neurotypical brain. You know, they might use two or three areas, we're using six. So that requires a lot of energy. Think about that for a sec, guys. So everything that we do, we're actually expending more energy than somebody else that doesn't, that doesn't have a neurodistinct brain. So there's a reason why almost chronic or consistent burnout is something that, that we felt for decades until we get to a point where like, okay, hang on, I can't live like this. This doesn't work for me. This doesn't work for anybody. This sucks. Because I don't know about you, one of the biggest, hardest parts for me is the suicidal ideation that I experienced. And I found that when I'm in burnout, I have them. I have those thoughts. And when I'm exhausted and I hit that point, I'll notice that my brain will just like go down that dark hole. And it can be really scary. It can be really scary because you're like, wait a minute, I don't want to do that. That's not some, That's not really what I want. But your brain is thinking about that. And my friend Julia and I have talked about it and she's super brilliant. And she said, I believe that autistic people default to the suicidal ideations because it's like that ripcord. It's that escape. Your brain wants to escape the overwhelm and the exhaustion, the fatigue, and just the everything. Right. And I was like, you know, that makes so much sense. Maybe that makes some sense to you guys too. I hope it does. Um, so really, you know, motivation sometimes is just finding where you can restore your energy. And that to me, that's what motivation is. It's not that I have a drive to do something, but it's like, I have to have the energy to do it. Really? Right? I have to have the energy to want to do something. And when you're at burnout and you're already operating on like the fumes of the gas tank, you're like it's already on empty and you hear it knocking. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what autistic burnout feels like when you're really deep in it. And it's not about getting the motivation, guys. It's truly about bringing, pulling back into yourself and restoring your energy. Because when you've operated on a deficit of energy, because you've been pushing through, because you, you know, you have to, because sometimes you, you got to show up to work. Sometimes you got to, you know, make sure that the, the kids are dressed and that they get to school and you don't really have a whole lot of spoons. You're just doing the bare minimum to survive. Finding those points of restoration to pull that energy back in is really important. And that five-step workbook is going to help you do that. And one of the ways, you know, I mentioned social rest. Another way is some active physical rest. And that can be some yoga, some Pilates. That can be just going out and getting some beauty rest, some creative rest in nature, going for a walk, um, just putting on some headphones that are noise canceling, having a STEM tool, something that you just, you know, kind of helps calm you, focus you, but also this can energize you. This can give you some energy. So not necessarily motivation, guys, but really where, where you can get 
what you're thinking of as, as a motivator or a driver to get something done really is what can I do to restore myself so that I have the energy to expend moving forward? Um, let's see here. Leah. Oh, I love Leah. She writes the most beautiful poetry guys. Oh my gosh. Um, she asked at what age can burnout start? This was a really good one. I could not have answered this a year ago. I can today. It can start as early as you could possibly imagine. For myself, I identified that my first autistic burnout was at the age of six. Yes, six years old. And it took a little bit to get there to identify that what I had experienced at six years old in first grade was autistic burnout. Autistic burnout can happen pretty early in your life. And sometimes it's just, it feels like it's just been a continuous decade after decade of burnout. And it's like, maybe you've had these little small windows. That's what it felt like for me. It was more like a chronic cycle burnout. It's like I would get restored or recovered just enough and boom, I'd be right back in it. And that really happened more, I think, because I had no clue. I, I didn't know that other people thought and felt differently. I didn't know that it required so much more energy for me to do something than everybody else. And so I'm thinking, well, they did these three things. I should be able to do these three things. But really, I should have maybe just done one. But I was constantly pushing through, pushing myself because I thought I was supposed to be doing what everybody else was doing. And that, my friend right there, comparison is the thief of joy. It is also the best way to send yourself into autistic burnout. You are comparing yourself to other adults, other people, other parents, and you're thinking, I should be able to do this too. No, it's okay. You don't have to. I tell everybody all the time, you don't have to. You don't have to do anything like anybody else. And it's okay. It's okay. The worst thing that happens to us as autistics is we didn't know we were autistic. And so we agreed to all of these things that the world was telling us we were supposed to be doing. And we, we agreed to it. So it became this thought and that thought became a belief and that belief moved into habits and unconscious behaviors. And we were killing ourselves. We were killing ourselves for decades, trying to do what everybody else was doing. And it wasn't what was right and best for us. We do amazing amounts of things. I do things in huge bursts and huge sporadic chunks. But I've learned that I can't keep doing those chunks back to back. I have to have those times of big chunk rest and restoration. And I hope that that's something you guys start to identify your lives as well. Lovely Autistic Mess, which is a great account on IG, by the way, if you guys haven't checked her out, she's got some great stuff. How long or short could autistic burnout be? So it really varies. And there's no clear cut answer for this. Autistic burnout, it, for some people, it might be a couple of weeks, it might be a couple of months. It can go for years. I mean, for me, I can look back, I can say, okay, I probably had a good decade in there. At, at least, you know, between my 20s and 30s, I probably had a solid decade of constant burnout. And it, that was when it was really rough. Oh, I thought I was nuts. I thought I was losing my mind. I thought I was going crazy and it was terrifying. Um, so it, it really can vary. 
burnout is not going to be something that lasts for a couple of days. It's not going to be something that's maybe, you know, two weeks sort of. It really, what it's burnout is a long term. It, it's been a long time coming. Burnout doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen just in a couple of days. You know, you can get depleted and get tired. It happens over a longer period of time. It happens over weeks. It happens over months. It happens over years. And it is a, usually a slow buildup. Um, I will say that autistic burnout, when you start to identify what those, thing, what those signposts are for you in your life so you can start to recognize, it allows you to go, whoa, you know, hey, I really have done too much this week or for the last two or three weeks. I have been like full on, like wide open going. If I don't stop right now, I'm, I'm going to go into burnout. You know, everybody's energy is different and it changes all the time. I mean, depending on where you are in your life, you know, how old you are, what's happening, you know, how much energy and resources you have, how much, you know, family support and things that you've got going into that. And being able to identify those signposts for yourself kind of help rein it back in. That for me was a really big aha thing. Um, how much can burnout vary? That was the second part of um, Lovely Autistic Mess's question. How much can burnout vary? It, can, it varies from person to person. There's an overarching um, sort of criteria, which is exhaustion, usually feeling detached, executive dysfunction, um, you know, sometimes those suicidal ideations, uh, it, just not being able to wake up, you know, feeling really foggy, uh, having difficulty concentrating, uh, sometimes losing skills and abilities that you, you normally have or that you usually have. Um, each person is going to vary. That's why this, the five-step workbook that I put together um, for you guys helps you identify what those are. And I think it makes such a big difference. I'm going to read this uh, comment real quick, guys. Hang on. Great question, Jamie. How do you possibly make peace with who you were before burnout to, you know, who other people are and expect who you knew them to be to understand? I'm not sure I totally understand the question, but I can sort of address what I, what I'm, gleaning from the question there, Jamie. How do you make peace with it? That was a really big step for me. How do I make peace with who I was before I knew I was autistic, who I was when I was in burnout? Because I don't know about you guys, but I can't say I was the best human when I was in burnout, you know, really short-tempered, um, had no patience for anybody, including myself. I said a lot of things that I wish I could take back to people who love me, who are probably trying to help me, but I was like not in a place to do that. Um, so I feel like part of that was I also have to give myself forgiveness. I have to say, you know, I didn't know. I was doing the best that I could possibly do. And that was all I could do. And I'm, I wasn't intentionally being that way. You know, I wasn't intentionally being short with people that I love. I had to get to a place where I accepted and acknowledged and forgave myself for everything that I didn't know because I didn't know and they didn't know. The only thing I can do is from this moment forward, I can be more aware, I can be more conscientious and I can go forward in the best way that I know how now. I'm still gonna make mistakes. You're still gonna make mistakes. That's human. But getting to that point of 
of knowing that you can let go and you can love that person that was in burnout before. And you can say, you know, hey, you were doing your best and it's okay. You're okay. You are worthy of love and you're worthy of moving on in your life and, and reclaiming and, and having a life that's fulfilling and really wholehearted. I hope I answered that for you, Jamie. Jenny asked, I've always thought I suffered from depression. Now I'm pretty sure it was doctors not identifying burnout. Ooh, I think we can all, all relate to this one, Jenny. I think, you know, it was as simple for me as starting to identify. And I shared this with somebody who was having a similar issue the other day. And she came back, you know, this was like three days ago. And she came back today and she was like, oh my gosh, you were right. I totally did not even pay attention to this. This was amazing. This was exactly what was causing the problem. So what, what we're finding and what other autistics, we're all coming together and having these conversations about our bodies and our brains and how we're struggling and what's different, what we're struggling with. And one of the top two things is anxiety and depression. Well, our bodies are neurodistinct and our brains are neurodistinct. Our brain is not separate from our body. Our bodies are just as neurodistinct as our brains. And I noticed that in a histamines, several different ones I've been trying because I got bitten by a poisonous spider a few weeks ago, and it's been pretty tough. It definitely messed up my system. Um, I've been trying different antihistamines. I noticed some of them within 30 minutes, I would start crying and I was so depressed. Some, it took a couple of days and it was just, I would be teary. And then all of a sudden I was having these really dark thoughts and I'm just like, whoa, what is going on? I was like, oh, the only, you know, what have I changed? What's different in my day? What's going on in my life? You know, just sort of those reflection questions. I identified it was the antihistamines for me. And she was having something that she was going through where she was taking a new antihistamine. I was like, yeah, could it, could it be the antihistamine that's making you feel this way? Cause she was like, I'm super depressed. I don't know what to do about this. And she came back today and was like, oh my gosh, I got off of that one. And I totally forgot that that had happened several years ago. And I just totally did not, you know, it just didn't register. And there's so many things because autistic depression can also feel like Autistic burnout can also feel like really massive depression. I mean, that's something we experience for sure. That is absolutely something we experience. So, you know, it, it happens so often. I mean, we get misdiagnosed with, you know, depression, anxiety, and, you know, bipolar and all kinds of other things when sometimes the underlying cause or the root causation of what the symptoms we're experiencing is really autistic burnout. So don't, don't give up on yourselves and don't, don't just take whatever somebody's giving you as an explanation for maybe what you're going through, you know, keep, keep your options open, keep your ears open. Maybe, maybe some of those things might be part of autistic burnout. And as you start to get in balance and harmony and you start to regain some of that energy, you'll notice that you're not feeling as depressed. You're not feeling as anxious. That was definitely something I... I experienced over time for myself. And I'm, I'm hoping that, that I can help you guys get there too. All right. Megan had a really good, really good one here. She said, 
I recently began taking SSRI antidepressants. I feel less anxious and depressed, but I feel deeply tired. Like my nervous system has finally been able to come down from years on high alert. Oh yes. I think we can all relate to feeling on high alert, right? I feel like I could nap anytime and it's hard to, to manage or motivate myself uh, to get work done. Maybe this is how normal folks operate, but for someone who has been going full tilt, it feels weird. Not sure if it is burnout, but it has happened before. I've also noticed increased sensory sensitivity and a need to stem lately. So I think, I think everybody in this room can absolutely 100% relate to how that feels. You know, if you, if you change medications and sometimes, you know, especially if you're starting a new sort of antidepressant medication, it can, it makes you feel like my sister says it makes her feel like a turtle. Like she's like, my brain is really, really fast and it slows everything down and it feels really weird. Anytime you start to take any type of new medications, this is sort of what I do for myself. Maybe this, this will answer and kind of help the question, help answer this question and help you guys if, if you've experienced this too. So whenever you start to take a new medication and especially if it's something like an antidepressant, anything that's going to change your, your neurochemistry, your neurobiology going on in here and the chemistry that's happening because you've got receptors and usually what they're doing is from a neuroscience standpoint is your receptors are turned off, you know, or turned on, some pumps are activated. So, so the chemistry is going to be different. And when that chemistry changes, how you experience the world and how you experience your body. And if you're have a lot of interception and you're very attuned to your body, the slightest changes are going to feel really weird. They're going to feel really, um, really big in a lot of ways. So just making journaling on this at this time is a really good thing to do. Really making notes about, you know, when you take, um, when you take the medication, you know, like before, how do you feel? How do you feel after, you know, throughout your day, sort of the changes that you've noticed and our brain seeks safety first. So anything that doesn't, isn't the same, it isn't consistent. It isn't part of your autopilot habits. Your brain freaks out a little bit and says, Whoa, something new is going on. And this is, and it doesn't, it doesn't differentiate good or bad. It just says, well, I see a threat. And then it can cause you to be anxious or it can cause you to really feel uncomfortable because it's different. And when you journal and you write things down, especially when you're going through medication changes, it is a huge way to sort of look and see what your body changes are, what you're noticing about yourself. And it helps to kind of give you what, a bit of control because you can examine it. So be the scientist in your life on those things. It really can be. And she said, I'm not sure if it, if it's burnout. Look, if you've been going full tilt, you have been, you know, wide open hair on fire going at it and you haven't stopped. You haven't taken a break and it's been years. I would definitely consider, consider that even if I, changed a medication, I could still, I could still be experiencing burnout. So, you know, just consider it, be open to examining it and sort of starting to look at where you are in the process. Tales of Topaz asked a great question and she asked, how do I prioritize myself? 
You just do. You just do. I know for myself, I was a chronic people pleaser. I was going to, what everybody wanted, I was going to do it. I wanted to show up because I was externally looking for connection. And I, if I wasn't helping somebody, I wasn't being a good person. And I was finding my validation through helping others to my own detriment. And a lot of times for most of us in this community, people pleasing is a really big factor, especially when we didn't know we were autistic and we look back and we're like, oh my God, I have people pleased myself to death. Almost literally, like I almost people pleased myself to death. I had given away so much of myself and my energy. I was exhausted all the time. And that people pleasing is one of the things that can lead to burnout. So how do you prioritize yourself? You do. You say, you make that decision. You make that internal shift to say, I don't have to put everyone else above and before myself. I am valuable and I am important. And if I don't show myself love and I don't prioritize myself, what am I saying subconsciously? What, what am I telling myself? What messages am I giving my, my own self, my own integrity? When I'm not taking time to do what needs to be done for me first, because you can't pour from an empty cup and you can't put the oxygen mask on the person next to you if you hadn't put yours on first. Rosemary, hey, Rosemary, this is your question. How can we learn to recognize burnout warning signs? In the five-step workbook that I've got, I'm going to put that link in here in just a few minutes. Um, it actually walks you through the steps of identifying your signposts for you. Because they're going to be different for you and they're going to be different for every other person. They might be similar, but you're going to put one together for you because there are warning signs. And a lot of just sort of the big ones are usually, you know, what, what am I noticing? Like for me, one of the small things that's a signpost or a warning sign is I don't make my bed. I notice I don't make my bed when I'm getting depleted. Like that's a warning sign for me. Every day I get up, I make my bed. I got a thing about it. Josh says it's so weird and it drives him crazy. <laughs> and he even sends me these articles saying, bed bugs are more prevalent if you make your bed every day. And I'm like, you're just trying to get out of the whole making your side of the bed thing. So, <laughs> but honestly, that was something I noticed for me. Um, you know, it's like my fingernails. Well, when I'm depleted and I, it's one of the warning signs, like I don't paint my fingernails or do anything to, you know, put something cute on my toenails. For me, that's a warning sign. So, identifying and recognizing what those warning signs are for you, that just those little small things like making your bed or, you know, maybe even something that you do in your personal body routine. Those are usually an early warning sign. Hope that helps because that, that's usually a pretty good practical tip. Um, when would your top, what would your top tips be for trying to manage burnout when you have to continue working full-time? Ooh, this is a tough one. Um, when I was working full-time, and I mean, when I say I was working full-time, I was working in hospital administration. I had 10 of the largest departments. I was working probably 60 hours a week. And yeah, that probably caused my burnout. But then when I realized, 
oh my gosh, this is really bad. I feel like crashing and burning here. What do I do? And I had two small kids and a husband and all this kind of stuff. You're like, what do I do? How do I do this? How do I maintain this? I can tell you this. What you have to do is you have to really sit down and you have to be really, really strategic about what you are doing. Um, Because life is choice, as my mentor Jim teaches. Life is choice. Everything we have choice in. And we have to, for me, it was I really had to critically sit down and go, okay, I have this that I need to do, but is it a need? Is it a want? Is it true that I really have to do it? Because sometimes we tell ourselves that we got to do it, that we're required to do this. But when in, in actuality, look, if I press pause on this and I don't do it, am I going to die? Are one of my kids going to die? Am I going to kill somebody? Is the world going to blow up? Because sometimes when you're in that place, you got to ask yourself to that point, is it a life or death thing? I mean, that's almost because it's your life, honestly. It's your health. And when you're working, I mean, even in your job, even in my job, I had to prioritize. I even had to hand some things off and go, look, right now, I am not able to do this. Or if I continue to do this on top of all the other things that I have going on, it's not, I'm not, I'm not going to make it. It's, I'm going to end up in the crazy place because that, that's where I felt like I was heading. And I had to start delegating. I had to ask for help. Really did. I had to ask for help. And I, you know, you can even, and it's not permanent. It's not a, it's not an all, it's not a be all end all, you know, black and white, all or nothing thing. But it's like, really, do I have to pick up everything around the house and it has to be spotless? I mean, honestly, really, truthfully, does it? I mean, there were days where my kids might have wore the same exact outfit for three days in a row. It was clean. It wasn't dirty. We didn't have boogies and snooey on it. I mean, it was good. But it was a lot easier because then that meant less laundry. If we were, you know, hanging the bath towel up, letting it dry and using it more than once. I mean, finding some things in there that you can stop, finding some places where you can press pause and really asking, is this a life or death thing that has to get done? Or is it something that can wait or not happen at all? Or can somebody else do it for me? That, that's, my, that's my best advice on that one. Um, let's see. Yeah, I've been grappling with a, how to recognize a burnout for every year and I'm so over it. Totally, I know what you mean. I I think we can all like, we're just over it. We're just like, I just want to get to feeling good. I just would like to even know what that is. Cause I don't, it's been so long. I don't remember what it's like to feel good. I mean, how many of you guys have been there? Um, Let's check the poll real quick and see, see what we got. Oh, we got some great here. Let's share the results. Okay. So 25% of you said, Yep, I am definitely in autistic burnout. 25% of you guys said, nope, I don't think I'm in burnout. And 50% said, I'm not sure. I'm here to figure that out. All right, drop in the chat box. If you were one of the people that said, I'm not sure, I'm here to try and figure that out. Have you figured it out? Did this help you figure it out today? Let me know in the chat. Sorry, I, I'm doing all the chat box stuff myself. So it takes me a little bit. And I'm, I'm going to scroll back through everything, guys. Um, oh, this is, I'm so, so appreciative of all the questions and everybody taking time to be here. 
Okay. I'm pretty sure I'm in burnout. No change in meds, though. Sitting beside my ASM for several months for school online, the sensory assault every day, and the grind of trying to keep him somewhat on track. Ooh, yes. I homeschooled for a couple of years. Yeah. Mm -mm. Oh, my Lord. Yes. It is so hard. It really is. It is so hard. Um, I don't know how old your son is, but mine were, mine were kind of small and structure. We had to have some structure. We had to have like outside time. We had to have a place for people to expel energy, including me. Yeah. He's, um, he's six years old. Going on what's seven. That? He's six what's years old going on seven. He's six going on seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, um, he was diagnosed in 2017, level two. Okay. So, um, not the verbal skills, but, uh, yeah. It's, uh, okay. Okay. So not, not with a lot of support, you know, so, it, so it's hard. It's hard for you too, as the, as the autistic mom to sort of pull all that together. Right. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell you. The, the absolute best place that I found for myself to be, to be able to show up to be the mom that I wanted to be. Cause you know, we've, we put these huge expectations on ourselves and we want to be this incredible parent and we want our kids to have everything. I found for myself that when I shifted my focus and I had to start looking and taking care of me first, I'd put the oxygen mask on myself first. I had to fill my water glass up first and I had, I had to ask for some help. I had to start allocating, you know, I was a single mom for a while and, and I didn't have that help, but I was, I found friends and I found resources. Um, even if it was just like finding a play group, finding a play group is a really big help. I mean, just because then you can at least have some backup. You gotta, you gotta find yourself some backup because you, the body's going to keep the score. Well, if you guys know the book, the body keeps the score, your body's going to keep the score. And it's going to show up in your body first. And in burnout, that's that's one of the greatest places to start identifying where your warning signs and your signposts are. Is, What's my body doing? And for those of us with alexithymia and interception, and like everything's way off the chart, but then I don't know how to like put it all into words or feelings or thoughts. And it takes a little bit to process. It doesn't happen fast, but taking the time to do it, even if you got to like, all right, dude, we're going to bed 30 minutes early tonight. You don't have to tell him that because then he'll freak out. But in that 30 minutes, just like you don't have to do anything, but just like hang out in your room, you know, find some things that where you've got those 30 minutes, even if it's, you know, I don't know about you, but there's times I would go to the bathroom and the kids would come in the bathroom like, hey, mom, what you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to go to the bathroom. Thanks. <laughs> it's like you don't even get five minutes to go to the bathroom by yourself. But just even finding those five minutes in the bathroom by yourself, finding those things and sort of reclaiming, reclaiming them for your space to fill your cup is real important. Um, I hope that helped, Jennifer. Um, okay. All right. Skills and abilities. Yeah. So all of you guys have noticed that you've lost some skills or abilities going through the burnout process. And to me, that was like, oh, Lord, have mercy. I worked too hard to gain these to be losing them, right? Have you ever felt like you were losing your mind or going crazy before? 94% said yes. 6% said no. Yeah, I did. And that was, that was actually, uh, I think that happens to so many of us. It's the thing that led us to getting an autism identification is I thought we were going crazy. And we finally go talk to somebody because it gets so bad or something really, you know, shifts or happens or you just can't function. And it's like, oh, you're just in autistic burnout. That's sort of where we start. That's where sometimes we get found, right? Sometimes where we get identified. Um, 
I will tell you, one of the greatest things, and somebody made a comment of this in the comment box, and it's super, super important. You guys being here today and, and being a part of the Mind Your Autistic Brain community, this one of the most valuable things. I created this because I needed it for myself, and I knew that other people needed it too. I wanted everybody to be able to have a place to come together because a lot of times we'll find that we've got people in our life that we necessarily, they're not helping us. They're not beneficial to us. You know, they could be a, a toxic relationship person. They could be narcissistic. I mean, there's a lot of things. And for most of us, you know, we have experienced trauma. I have PTSD and, you know, a lot of people have complex PTSD and the percentage of autistics who experience PTSD and complex PTSD are much higher. And our relationships, a lot of times that have come into our life have really done some damage and having a safe place to go, a place where you can talk to other people that get it, that have a knowledge of where you've been and, and what you're experiencing too, is such a relief. It's, it's a safe, okay place to be that you're going to get kindness. You're going to get gentleness, patience, and understanding for yourself and the person next to you. So let me pop this in the chat. I'm not sure what's going to happen here when I when I try and uh, rearrange some stuff. So hang with me. I'm hoping I don't mess up anything I've got here. Um, I'm going to copy this. Hang on. There we go. I, I'm not the most tech savvy person, guys. So just bear with me two seconds. Okay, so this is the link to my link tree. At the very top of the link tree, I have the Burnout to Balance workbook. That is for you guys. That is my gift to you. It is a free email mini course. It's the introductory course to the unveiling method, which is so much more than just unmasking because I don't know, it happened to me. I know it's happened to lots of other aut autistics. You know, your therapist or your psychologist says, you just got to unmask and you're going to get back to you and you're going to feel so much better. And you go through a couple of masks, you go through a couple layers and you're standing there kind of feeling empty going, I don't know who the hell I am. Who am I? I don't really know what I, I, I don't know. I don't know. You can't unmask something that you hadn't discovered because as late identify autistics, we've given away, lost and suppressed who we are for decades. And so this helps sort of uncover, unveil, and reclaim yourself, your wholehearted place in life. Um, I also have a free gift for you guys today. So I'm going to, let me go grab that real quick. Oh, let's see. I'm trying to figure out how I do this. Oh, wait a minute. I think, all right. I think it lets me do a file. Ah, sorry, I didn't have it. <laughs> I didn't have a setting right. So, okay, there's the link. Um, and then I'm going to put, I'm going to add it. I'm going to add your free download. And it is the five steps to sharing your autistic. It will help you go through how to go about sharing with other people that you're autistic. Because once you learn you're autistic, that's a really exciting thing. And you want to make sure that, you know, you're sharing it and you're not, you know, getting the response that, you know, gee, you don't look autistic or uh, no, you couldn't possibly be autistic because you can have a conversation, you know, all those really kind of cringy things. Uh, so I've got that, that uh, download and I'll make sure I put that on the link tree. I'll put it right below the burnout to balance workbook. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for sending in these amazing questions. Thank you for taking time to spend it here with me and with our friends in the Mind Your Autistic Brain community. Um, thank you for joining the poll. And I've got two giveaways. 
I have this great little notebook journal, which I love. It's super great, little perfect size. And I also have a Mind Your Autistic Brain tote bag. It's got an outside pocket and inside pocket. So I am going to um, just go through and randomly select from my questions that I got today. So here we go. I'm just going to. All right, Leah, Leah from Ask Me Poetry, you got and have won the notebook for today. So I'll be uh, sending you a DM over on Instagram. Let me put this on here, notebook. And okay, here we go. Here's the next one. Haley, Haley, you have won the tote bag. So I'm going to send you a message and uh, get your mail address and shoot that over to you. Guys, thanks so much for being here today. I loved joining you. I loved having time with you. Um, if you have any questions that I didn't answer, if you've got some other things, once you start going through the Burnout to Balance workbook, shoot me a message. Uh, there's a direct email reply and I'm always available to help out. Talk to you soon, guys. Bye-bye. If you are someone who likes to help people and share what has made a difference in your life, please share this talk show with a friend and on your social media accounts so that you can be the blessing in another late-identified autistic's life. Be sure to tag me at Social Audi so I can personally say thank you. And to help keep the talk show ad-free, please consider becoming a one-time or recurring supporter through either Buy Me a Coffee or the Anchor Podcast links in the show notes below. I truly appreciate your support. Thank you for being a listener and thank you for adding your voice to our story.